0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of Pragmatic Live. Today, we're going to try something a little bit different. Today, we're going to tackle your questions. Questions about all kinds of topics, questions just from listeners like you. And helping us address these questions in our first edition of the Pragmatic Live Mailbag is Dave Daniels, Vice President of Customer Success at Pragmatic, and also a longtime instructor, and Steve Johnson, one of the founding instructors at Pragmatic and all-around product management guru. Today, Kelly has gathered up all kinds of questions from all kinds of sources and she is going to pose questions. Take it away, Kelly. What metrics do you track to monitor product launch success?
1: Wow, that is uh, a big question. Um, There are many ways that you can track product launch success and it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish with the launch. Uh, There's there's a concept that we're working on that we call GROW, G-R-O-W, and that is Growth, Retention, Optimization, and Withdrawal. So if you want to think of it, G-R-O-W. Now if I am trying to get growth out of my product, there are certain metrics that I'm going to use that are very different than if I'm worrying about retention which are very different than if I'm worrying about optimization, which is all about maximizing profit and that kind of thing. And withdrawal is pretty easy. Just you're withdrawing the product from the market. Pretty straightforward. But in growth, you were
2: thinking of stuff like... Number of new oh. users month over month. Yeah,
1: I was coming back Number, to that. Well, yeah, okay. So it was it in sounded a like you were wrapping up, you were all the way to the W. I I'm clicking through my slides in my head. Okay, see? all right. So, so now I'm going to come back to the G. Okay, so there was growth, growth, retention, retention optimization, optimization, and withdrawal. withdrawal. Okay. And so with growth. Can you give me an example, though, of like growth? I can give you an example of growth, uh, Steve. Uh, it would be like a um, market share. It could be the number of subscribers. It could be um, it could be adoption of new features and capabilities. It could be a revenue number, it could be, um, penetration into a specific market that you've never been in, or into a new product category—that's mm-hmm. that's very good. So okay. I thought that was pretty good answer. So I'm going to give myself a clap on that one. And then, of course, retention or churn, however you want to look at it, is are we keeping the customers around that we have? So there's a ton of great metrics available around uh, retention. Uh, optimization is really more of a finance game so we're looking at uh margin um we're looking cost at costs sold. and you know try cost to cost of sale cost of sale yeah cogs all of that kind of good stuff cost of support calls yeah anything that reducing has cost. the length that's what reducing anything that has cost, the word cost, cost in it, it. yeah, yeah okay. that involves money okay. uh and then withdraw is pretty easy is it in the market or isn't it Mm -hmm. Right. And did we did we withdraw it in such a way that we didn't hurt our business? Mm -hmm. Did we have something to replace it with? So that's my
2: story. A withdrawal might be, a metric might be, we took this product off the market, but the customer stayed with us. With, uh, yeah. You know, other parts of our products. That's line correct. Or there's a replacement product for it.
1: Or it could be, we didn't care. We're not in that business anymore. Mm-hmm. See ya. Yeah,
2: but it'd be nice to keep a nice, you know, customer relationship. It
1: depends that. on the customer. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And um, actually, that's what we have in our class, in our launch class, is that that's step number one. Define your metrics before the launch. Before you even sit down and decide what you're going to do, you bet. Excellent.
0: It's often difficult to find info about competitors in the public domain. No free trial, no pricing page. What undercover or investigative approaches work? Should we look at third party firms to conduct this for us?
2: I find that a surprising question. One of my favorite techniques that we've used for uh, we've taught for years is to search. Uh, to limit your well to search for your competitors confidential information by putting the competitors name and the word confidential in the search and you find an inc- incredible number of things like their roadmaps and their price list and all sorts of stuff um, apparently confidential to sales teams is a phrase that means distribute immediately so there's a plethora of information uh, about all your competitors out there um, The best way of getting information, though, is win-loss analysis, which, you know, people who have followed us at Pragmatic know we're just raving fans for for win-loss. The client will absolutely tell you, you know, your price was 20% higher than the other guy's price. Um, That doesn't help you on the deal you lost, but it helps you on all the future deals. And so product marketing should absolutely be getting insights from win-loss analysis in order to refresh their competitive profiles. Um yeah, a good Google search will reveal a lot of information.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I found this to be effective, um, uh, and I've used it quite a bit. It, it doesn't work for every organization, but the uh, particularly where this is a hard, where this becomes a problem is when you have big, massive enterprise products where you don't get access to them. It's it's not like you can go to a website and buy it and download it and and start using it. So there's a good chance that one of your products is installed uh, or is operational in a company that also has one of the other products. What you, what you could do is once you have a friendly relationship with your customer who's also using a competitor's product, mm-hmm. is you could use that to get insight on them and your competitor and what they do and what they're good at and what mm-hmm. they're not good at. Sometimes the product's perfectly fine, but the vendor sucks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the vendor's not so good, but the product's amazing. Mm-hmm. So you need to find out you know, where are their strengths and where are their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. When in doubt, talk to a customer. They can tell you loads
2: about the industry that you can't really always get to. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm almost wondering if the basis of the question is, I don't want to talk to people, so what's another way I can get the information? Oh, good point, good point. And the the answer is, you gotta go talk to people. Go talk to some people, yeah.
0: How often should you perform win-loss analysis, and how often should you conduct win-loss interviews?
2: Every morning before breakfast before breakfast. Mm-hmm. I would have said after breakfast. Oh, okay. Okay. I would challenge every product manager and every product marketing manager to do at least one win loss interview per month. And if you are in the midst of something, we're getting ready for a launch, we're getting ready to, you know, plan our next release, I would say more than that. Um, you get insights from wins and losses. And the truth of the matter is I find you get the same insights. It doesn't really matter whether you talk to a win or a loss. Um, but interviews is one thing analysis. The second part of the question is you want to do win loss analysis either quarterly or right before you embark on a big thing, right before a a new release plan, uh, or a, a new
1: launch plan. So first of all, the the frequency that you do the win loss interviews make sure we're separating the two mm-hmm. um, is do them do them as frequently as you can um, as long as you have access. Uh, I mean, one a month is nice, but you might want to do more for different reasons. Uh, you you might be uh, you might have introduced a new product. Uh, you've launched it a couple of months ago. Uh, you're now starting to get some traction in the market, and you want to refine that and try to get as much market share as you possibly can in the shortest period of time. So the frequency you do your win loss interviews might be much higher than if you had a stable product that's Good very optimized and you know very mature uh, product category. Actually, what I meant to say was at least one, at
2: least okay, one per month. I, I can accept or more. that. I accept that. Okay so greater than or equal to yeah, exactly okay but you know if you if you need to do 30 um, then that's more than a product manager or product marketing manager can do given all the other nonsense that they have to do. correct so that's where you reach out to a firm and you say you know hey Alan can you help me with that or hey mm-hmm. Charles can you help mm-hmm. me with that and we've got people that we can connect with you
1: to to do win loss and interviews and analysis for you and then on the on the analysis side I'd like to add that analysis should be ongoing. Because you're collecting a lot of unstructured data. So it's not like you can run it through a spreadsheet and go bink. What does the pivot table tell me? So it's an ongoing thing. So I see patterns and then I'm gonna begin to act on them. But I'm not gonna be able I don't want to wait a quarter. I might wanna I might wanna get 10 of them and see what I got. I might want to take 12 and see what I got. Mm-hmm. So it's an ongoing activity to do the analysis as opposed to a structured it has to be done in this point of time. And you also don't want to react after a single interview. You never want to react. Yes, I agree with you completely.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you need at least three dots to draw a trend.
1: Who
0: should lead win-loss analysis?
2: Product marketing. Product marketing. Next question. (laughs) All right. No, I, I, I can't let it go that way. But no, that's the answer. Um, we're, we're in are violent agreement. What we have learned over the years of working with teams on win-loss analysis is what you learn most is about the way you market and sell, more than what you learn about the product. Um, a lot of product managers do win-loss analysis hoping to get insights on the product, but usually what they learn is, oh, I didn't know you had that feature. It's not that you didn't have it. You did have it. Of course we had an interface to JIRA. What are you talking about? But somehow the client got all the way through the sales cycle without learning about this critical feature, which means we've dropped the ball in marketing or we've dropped the ball in sales. Um, salespeople worry that it's going to be a witch hunt. You know. So they say, we want to own this. And they're like, they don't. it's not that they want to own it. It's that they don't want anyone else to own it. Right, But what we found is the most valuable insights from win-loss analysis help inform the way we do our product marketing. So there's a longer answer.
0: What are your thoughts on requesting product demos from your competition?
2: If you say, hi, this is my name and this is my company and I'd like a demo and they're foolish enough to give you a demo, then maybe the blame is on them. Mm -hmm. But for me to try and trick my competitor into giving me a demo, I think is pretty immoral.
1: Unethical.
2: I, unethical. I'll go with unethical.
1: Here's here's and the, immoral. Here's unethical the line. And immoral. Here's the line I'm okay crossing. I would s- I'm sure there are a lot of lines that Yeah, there might be a few, but this is in regard to competitors and demos. Here's something I learned a long time ago from a boss of mine. And it's something that almost every vendor does and when I teach classes I bring it up and the and the people in the room look at me in complete horror. So, what do you do? You hire some new salespeople. You hire new salespeople and you send them through sales training. And what's the first thing you do with them? You stick them in the booth at the next trade show. So, you get all these newbie sales reps and they're eager to share with you their newfound knowledge. And so, you walk up to the booth towards the edge with your name tag on and everything so you don't hide anything. And you find one of the newbies and you go, Hey, how's it going? They don't know you're a competitor. And so you start talking to them, and you talk as much as you can and see as much as you can until someone else who knows better comes over and says, you get out of my booth. That's it. a good it's one. It's rousing. That's a good it's one. It's legit. It's legit. and yeah,
2: it, it, it adheres to my, my ethical standard, which is as long as I'm using my real name and my real company name, mm-hmm. then I'm being up above board. No disguise. No, I have worked for people who have done Mm -hmm. more than that indeed i've never gone uh, you know to a booth with like fake mustache and you know glasses or anything Mm. i think we got a little theme going here when in doubt ask a customer talk to people Mm
0: -hmm. most of our product team has taken your courses but we still struggle writing good problem statements can you give us some tips for writing solid problem statements
2: The key to writing a good problem statement is to write it in the voice of the persona. The most common thing we see is we're reverse engineering a problem statement from our existing code. Our existing product already does this thing. So we write the problem statement as, I really need something that does this specific thing. You know, I uh, The problem is I need to interface with Jira because we have an interface to Jira not because the client actually you know, is gonna talk that way. So, the way to write a good problem statement is to do it in the voice of the persona and not in the voice of your product.
1: Meaning, if you don't have the persona to begin with, it's gonna be a pretty good, pretty difficult job to do.
2: Indeed. And, you know, we'll cut out this little, how I'm doing it right now, um, <clears throat> Most of what I see in product management writing is we've already decided what we want the outcome to be. We've already decided what the feature is. We've already decided the answer. And so we're trying to hint at it without saying it explicitly. It's like, what I really want is pivot tables. So now how do I write that without using the word pivot table in my statement? And we see this in requirements writing, we see it in user stories, we see it in problem statements. It's like, I'm already there, but I know I'm not supposed to say what the answer is. So let me hint as strongly as I can to you know the how I want it, as opposed to what I want.
0: Join us next week as we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your company, your products, and your career.